Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us. We are getting near the end of our studies in the Old Testament book of Sirach. I've hoped you've enjoyed it as much as I have in preparing these broadcasts. It's a great book filled with practical wisdom. And today we're going to be looking at the subject of dreams. It's, it's tackled in the book of Sirach, chapter 34, and I'm entitling this episode Dreams and Discernment because Sirach chapter 34 emphasizes the need for discernment when it comes to dreams. And in fact, I would dare say Sirach 34 is perhaps one of the top two or perhaps three passages in the entire Bible critical of the misuse of dreams. So let's take a look at Sirach 34, starting with the first verse. A man of no understanding has vain and false hopes, and dreams give wings to fools. In other words, those ignorant, neglecting some revealed truth, put all of their excitement and hopes into dreams, and they're getting excited, often, about an unreality. It says, dreams are like one who catches at a shadow and pursues the wind. So is he who gives heed to dreams. Divinations and omens, and this is the attempt of using dreams to interpret the future. Divinations, omens, and dreams are folly unless they are sent from the Most High as a visitation. In other words, verse 6 of Sirach 34 is a qualification. There are some good dreams here. Again, this is a very critical passage about the misuse of dreams. For dreams have deceived many, and those who put their hope in them have failed. Without such deceptions, the law will be fulfilled. In other words, it's saying dreams can be Like if your path in life, the path that God has for you, the way, dreams can be like an exit ramp off of your path in life and your proper destination of union with Christ for eternity. Dreams can be a diversion from the true path. Now, in the ancient world, again, Sirach is an Old Testament book written before the times of Christ. Uh, in, in that world, dreams were highly valued. And so this rather strong criticism of the misuse of dreams with one qualification, verse 6 just says there can be some good dreams from God. Uh, they, but dreams in the ancient world were so highly valued. But what about today? Just for fun, I plugged in a Google search on dream interpretation and dream interpretation books, and I got 348 million hits back immediately. So uh, I guess some things don't change. Dreams are still important for people. In fact, I came across a book on dream interpretation that can help you pick your winning lottery numbers. Well, you might not get rich doing that, but 
writing books with that title may help you to get rich. But again, this, these are deviations. But let me go to the positive side of this, because verse uh, 7 says there are dreams sent by the Most High, and there are good dreams. I believe personally in good dreams. We have in the Old Testament Joseph, who is called the dreamer of dreams, who had the dream of the seven years of good times and seven years of bad and had then the wisdom based upon dreams to guide an entire nation, the nation of Egypt, and also serve as the preservation for his whole family clan. That was all based on dreams. And the butcher and the baker and the whole count of Joseph in the Old Testament, these were all dreams. And these were things that God was sending to guide his people and well as to provide for a pagan empire so they didn't starve to death. And then you come to the Joseph in the New Testament, Joseph, the husband of Mary, uh, Jesus Christ, his very life was threatened, and St. Joseph, being sensitive to God, it's a real sign of his sensitivity to God, in a dream, he was willing to take his family, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the child Jesus, at night and flee to Egypt. This would be the equivalent of saying you have a very good solid middle-class job. He would be more like a blue-collar worker today and putting whatever carpentry tools he would have on a donkey, maybe along with his wife and child, and go into a foreign country overnight without any realtor having a relocation service for you with a foreign language and doing all that based on a dream. So there are good dreams, and particularly in very trying times and turbulent times, special times, God can send good dreams. Uh, In the end of the gospel accounts, we read that Pilate's wife had a dream, and she came and warned Pilate, saying, have nothing to do with that man, because I had a dream about him last night. And if there was ever a time a husband should listen to his wife, Pilate was in that situation, and he didn't listen. And then finally, Acts 2 the day of Pentecost, the great sermon of St. Peter on the first day of the church. He speaks about this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and fulfillment of the prophet Joel, and even your young people, your children, will have visions and dreams. So there are good dreams. Surprisingly, there's very little about criticism of dreams in the New Testament but the strongest criticism is found in the book of Jude. You have to listen a little bit carefully to get this. It's in verse 8 of Jude. Jude only has one chapter. In the verse 7, Jude writes, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Now, this is the context, the next verse. Yet in like manner, in other words, something similar to Sodom and Gomorrah was going on in the early Catholic Church. Yet in like manner, these men in their dreamings defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile glorious ones. Well, what they were doing 
to put it in more contemporary language, that Christian people were being led into immorality via private revelations. These leaders were saying certain things as truth, divine truth, based upon their dreamings and leading people into gross immorality. And so this is a stern warning from the epistle of Jude. Now, here's one related to dreams that is, I think, rather unique, and it really puts believers, both Jews in the Old Testament and Christians in the New, on notice that you put first things first. By that, I mean you put divine revelation, public revelation, like Scripture, before you do private revelation, dreams being a part of that. Now, are there good dreams? Absolutely. Are there bad dreams? Yes. That's why you need something greater than simply the subjective impulses that you get through private revelation to guide you. And here's why. It's Deuteronomy 13. It says, if a prophet arises among you or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or wonder, and the wonder which he tells you comes to pass, in other words, based on his dream, he's going to be making a prediction and it comes to pass. Well, you say, well, it's true. Not necessarily. That can be part of the deception. And if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. In other words, he has a dream. Based on the dream, he has a prediction that does come true. And then based on that validity, he tells you something that's clearly contradicted in Scripture. God says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and keep his commandments. So this is a lesson that I think could really be heeded by Catholics in the sense that, as many people will probably acknowledge, uh, Protestants, particularly evangelical Protestants, tend, not always, but tend to have a firmer knowledge of Scripture and keep that in mind when they're making decisions, forming outlook, even making moral decisions, whereas Catholics can put a lot of stock in private revelation, like dreams, for instance. Well, I just gave you a list of very valid dreams, both Old and New Testament, but in the same time, Sirach is telling us we have to be cautious about them because people are being led astray. And even when a dream is able to predict the future accurately, God says this could be a test to see what are you putting first in your order of priorities and what you regard as truth. Right along with Deuteronomy 13 and Sirach 34 is from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for it is a lie which they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. Now, again, this is Deuteronomy 29, verses 8 and 9, but it's really important to put this in context. The children of Israel didn't listen to God. They didn't follow God's commandments. They didn't heed the path and the warning that Moses had given to them way before. And Jeremiah was prophesying that there's going to be a judgment upon our nation if we don't follow the Lord's path. And guess what? I would have, I tell you, Jeremiah had a really tough job description, and the people didn't listen to him. And the Babylonians came and destroyed their nation and led the people captive. So when they got captive, and by the way, there were false prophets false dreamers going on all this time saying, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know, you can just live the way you're doing. You're just doing fine. Everything's okay. Well, it wasn't okay, and things didn't go fine. So now they're in captivity. And God gives Jeremiah the word that there's going to be 70 years of captivity. In other words, the people who are captive are going to die. They're never going to see their homeland again. And yes, God is going to restore, but it's not going to be quick and easy. So what were the prophets saying? The false prophets. The false prophets proclaiming prophecies in the name of God. They were saying, don't worry, we'll be home before you know it. This is going to be easy and brief. And you know, that false prophet's message sells so well in any generation, in our generation. And everybody can poke holes at the rapture at any moment, folks. Well, who doesn't want to escape hard times? It's an easy sell. Catholics know there could be hard times. But sometimes, um, you know, I, I saw an ad on a conservative Catholic website, and people are concerned with the way our world's going, where our country's going, the way our church is going. And they're selling three days of darkness candles. Now, I have nothing against three days of darkness candles, but yet the scriptures speak of not three days, but at least three and a half years of extreme tribulation and persecution. And, you know, and if, if you're thinking, if you're thinking that it's three days and over, you are right back dead center in Jeremiah 29. It's not going to just be three days and over. The Bible is very clear about warning us that hard times could be ahead. And, you know, in our nation's anniversary in 1976, anniversary of 1776, there was a cardinal, Carol Wayatola, the future Pope John Paul II, was in Philadelphia for that event. And he said, we are now standing on the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has gone through, the greatest. I do not think that wide circles of American society or wide circles of the Christian community realize that fully. 
and I will include the Catholic Christian community in that. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church of the gospel versus the anti-gospel. We must be prepared to undergo great trials in the not-too-distant future, trials that will require us to be ready to give up even our lives. And you know, I have heard speakers and broadcasters say, don't worry, all these prophetic scriptures are only having to do with things that happened in the first century. We don't have to worry about anything ahead. Well, the future Pope John Paul II felt quite strongly otherwise as he was speaking to Americans. And I'll put myself in this. We have it so good that we're so soft and we're so prone because we're so soft to get the easy message. And that's why Jeremiah 29 says, don't let the false prophets who come in my name and make predictions, don't let them deceive you. Don't listen to their dreams when they dream. If there's hard stuff that's clearly taught by somebody like St. John Paul II, like the Catechism of the Catholic Church, like the Divine Scriptures, then we need to be prepared spiritually and mentally and prepare our children and prepare catechists for tough times, not just easy times, but we're so prone to this. The Catechism of the Catholic Church has a section called The Church's Ultimate Trial. It's from section 675, 76, and 677. Here's just a couple of phrases from that. Before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. Now, there are many private revelations that speak of the opposite, that the days ahead could be ones of kind of a millennium of peace and prosperity and everything fine. And this is talking about a fiery trial that will shake the faith of many believers. By the way, I urge you to read Catechism 675, 76, and 77, and pay a lot of attention to the footnotes that list the scriptures that the statements in the Catechism are based on. Actually, open your Bible, take your time through these three paragraphs, and look up the scriptures. This isn't easy, and it's trying to keep Catholics from falling into deception. For instance, that next section, 676 of the Catechism, says, the Antichrist deception already begins to take shape in the, in the world. In other words, a precursor to the end-time end time deception is every time the claim is made to realize within history that messianic hope which can only be realized beyond history. In other words, all kinds of promises about the future are brought forward to the immediate present, and it says this is part of the Antichrist deception. And this comes through dreams, private revelations, sometimes even through good people, private revelations, and we need to test it against the scriptures against the catechism, the tradition of the church, 
the church fathers, the teachings of the popes, and then we can pay heed to private revelation based on a grounding above. And when you invert it, you're going to be deceived because we're all prone to fall for the false prophet message that it's going to be brief and easy. It's not the way. So how do you learn to discern dreams? We have to have discernment. How do you discern prophecies and visions? Uh, Well, if it's on Catholic TV, it's got to be real. No. I mean, you go to the drugstore and you have a whole section, as seen on TV. Because it's on TV doesn't make it more valid than anything else. Because somebody says, I'm a Catholic or a Christian, and it's on TV, doesn't make it more important than anything else. Okay? There are false prophets. There are erroneous prophets who are prophesying out of their own imaginations who come in the name of the Lord. So just because it's on TV, you discern. If it's a book in a faithful Catholic bookstore, you still have to discern. Recently, I was in a, um, not too recently, but a solid, a very faithful group of Catholics running a bookstore, and it was near Father's Day, and they you come right in the store. There's some Father's Day books right there, and interested in Catholic fatherhood as I am. I took a look, and one of the books was by a priest who has retreats for men out west, and he has them take off their clothes and wander around the desert naked to get in touch with themselves and God. Well, this isn't a good thing. So even in a good Catholic bookstore, you use discernment, just the ways I have told you. Uh, Well, my favorite Catholic podcaster said it. Well, just about anybody can do a podcast. And just because they're doing a podcast and they happen to have a nice set doesn't mean it's true. Okay, You have to discern. Or you say, well, all faithful Catholics believe it. Okay, well, most all the people in Jeremiah's day believed him. In fact, they thought Jeremiah was so out of it, they lured him into a well and let him sit in the mires, uh, basically up to his waist in mud, because he was so much out of the norm of other believers. And yet he was right. So it's not just the person who gets the most likes and the most popular or the most anything. It's whether or not it's true. And that's what we have to do. Now, how do you find that? Well, I remind you of the central argument in the entire book of Sirach. Remember in the ancient world, sometimes they didn't put their central argument in the preface or the foreword to the book. It was literally in the very middle of the book. And if you open the middle of Sirach to chapter 24, starting in verse 23, you have how to get your discernment. This book, the book of the covenant of the Most High, the law which Moses commanded us, it fills, fills men with wisdom, like the Pishon River. This is the river that watered the Garden of Eden, or like the great Tigris River at the time of first fruits. This is what happens to your internal spiritual life when it's nourished by the Word of God. It makes men full of understanding, like the Euphrates, the great river in the Middle East, or the Jordan River at the time of harvest. It makes instruction shine forth like light. And this isn't just Old Testament stuff. In the New Testament, we read in the Epistle to the Hebrews, where 
the book tells us, by this time you ought to be teachers, but yet you need milk, not solid food. You're not mature. You don't even know the first principles of God's word. And he says, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. And if you don't have a good grounding in Scripture, you're going to be very prone to be led astray by spectacular private revelations that may or may not have anything to do with truth, but it'll have a good good sounding pitch to it. Dreams are a valid way God communicates. We don't want to turn them off. And especially during turbulent times, like we're living in, dreams can be important, yet along with dreams and all types of private revelation, we need cautious discernment. And I'm going to leave you with the wisdom of Pope St. Gregory the Great. Precisely because dreams have such different characteristics and origins, the more difficult it is to determine what their source is, the less should one be inclined to put faith in them. But if a soul is not prudent regarding dreams, it will find itself lost in a forest of vanity through the work of the deceiving spirit, whose art is at times to predict many true things. This is going right back to Deuteronomy 13. So as to imprison the soul in the snare of a single lie. We need to be careful because in our day, I believe God could be communicating through dreams and yet taking the wisdom of Sirach that in the beginning, which we saw today in chapter 34, having all types of warnings about dreams, and yet says they can be sent from the Most High, and it points us to the law of God. And then in Sirach 24, the heart of the book, showing if you want to be filled, filled with overflowing, filled with fruitfulness, filled with truth, filled with 100% truth to guide you in your life, well, then you turn to the Word of God. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 359 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.